Good morning, Wrestling Inc. Wake on up and get it going. It is Thursday, and I hope you are thirsty for some pro wrestling punditry. It is me, your managing editor of Wrestling Inc., Nick Hausman, and I am joined here as I am just about every Thursday by my good friend Justin Labar. Justin, welcome back to the Winkley. Good to be back again. Oh, man, we have got, you know, this has been a busy week for news. I mean, ratings may be down, but news is up. So we got a lot to get here to today, including those ratings here later. Uh, but I want to let you know, later on in the show, we have two big interviews. Uh, if you listened to yesterday's show at the end, I teased that we were going to have MVP and Dustin uh, No Legs Thomas here on the show today. Uh, they Those interviews I'm actually going to move to next week because it, we've got a lot of stuff dropping here on the site. I, I found out last second I was doing an interview with Selena De La Renta from MLW yesterday, and she's going to be executive producing this Saturday's episode of MLW. So time-sensitive, we're going to get her on the show. Uh, and to pair with Selena, since you know I like to have everything in pairs here where it all feels nice, there's a theme here. Uh, our good our good friend Scott Fishman, he did do the interview with MVP, but he also did an interview with Hugo Savinovich. So we're going to do Hugo today. We'll probably drop MVP next week. So you're going to get Selena De La Renta and Hugo Savinovich here on the show today. Very excited to drop to both those interviews. And, uh, you know, as I teased to start the show, ratings down, news is up. We're going to break some news here right now that we are having written up for the site right now. It's not even live as we're talking about this. And that's, uh, Justin, there's like some... Uh, a little Dixie Dixie Carter buzz going on here at the moment that's got me all feeling some things to start the day. Uh, tell me, tell me what uh, what's going on here. Yeah, it's interesting. So Dixie Carter on her Facebook uh, page, um, late like I'd say like around like I don't know like like, like mid like late night like late uh, Wednesday night uh, into thur- Thursday morning, she had uh, posted that uh, you know um, early you know early, it's going to be an early morning call time and she had and she attached with it. Uh, looked like a screen grab of like her GPS location, which was right smack dab in the middle of Stanford, Connecticut. Yes. Uh, obviously, the location of WWE's headquarters. And she's talking about early morning call time, Stanford. And then um, Thursday morning, she posts a photo of herself um, with it, it looks like a, the EC3, like a fan, looks like a prop, yeah. um, like like a like a poster, like a like a political poster that they used when EC3 was in TNA, and of course EC3, the origin of his name is is that he's related to Dixie Carter and, and storyline. Right. And she's holding that up, kind of covering most of her face. But what's interesting is that you know, so we assume that she's in Stanford, as she said, early morning call time, and you can kind of see behind her uh, a sign on the wall that says something that looks like production. It looks very similar to the. Uh, signs and identifiers that WWE uses, whether that's backstage at events to like say, you know, where production is, where catering's at, where's Vince's office. Um, so I don't know if she's at a WWE facility. I don't know if they're at some location in Stanford, maybe shooting something off site, but uh, it appears she's in Stanford and would one would, would would seem to link that she's doing something related with WWE. Oh man. And EC3, I would think, because that's what's in the photo. Yes. <laughs> this has been a dream of mine for a long time. Oh, I want Dixie Carter as a as a mouthpiece heel for EC3 in the worst way, Justin. I mean, I just see like Vicky Guerrero levels of heat. Maybe I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, Justin, but I think that she could maybe get more heat than Vicky Guerrero, Guerrero consistently and maybe long, more long term. 
Well, I definitely think she could get heat. Um, let's also keep in mind, this could simply be maybe maybe they're just filming a few vignettes of just something to help relaunch EC3's character. This doesn't necessarily mean that she would be live on the road or on TV with him, but I mean, I guess anything's possible at the moment. We, we, you know, we can let our imaginations run wild until we do get more information concrete from her or WWE. But yeah, I mean, and then the potential is there. I mean, obviously the whole, whole gimmick is EC3 being, you know, the top 1% uh, coming from, you know, the, the, the Carter family. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do here of, um, you know, a uh, battle of, of billionaires, EC3's <laughs> top 1% against the McMahon. Or, I mean, oh. I, there's a lot of things that could be really swirled around if you if you, if you you want to get creative. Oh, man. I hope it's not just for, like, some package with, like, her and Abyss and, like, Borash all talking about how great EC3 was and he's needing to find himself to get ahead. I hope it's none of that crap. I hope it's just pure, unfiltered Dixie Carter heel mouthpiece for her nephew, EC3. And I just, you know... I, the people that come out to wrestling shows and drop that money kind of that they're they're usually harder core fans a lot of families obviously but they're gonna know who she is and be on her like a pack of dogs on a three-legged cat and i cannot wait to see that play out in the world of wwe if yeah. it happens if it happens right well, well and let's rem- and let's remember well obviously you know WWE is you know i mean a, a good portion of uh of their backstage uh producers and such are our former tna stars as we've talked about but let's also remember they have they have worked with dixie carter the dixie carter did appear on the WWE network on a kurt angle special i believe it was so um obviously vince and WWE are open to you know obviously there's not like hatred you know there obviously there's obviously at least some uh willingness to do business together well, put a pin in that one for now. I saw that. I saw that come across the uh, the old proverbial desk this morning, and I got a little lit up about it because if you've listened to me pundit for any length of time, you know this is not a new thing that I've wanted. I've wanted to see Dixie in that role for a while, and this is the closest to that tease I've I've gotten yet. So anyway, we'll move along here to the the rest of the prepared run sheet that I put together for today's show, uh, and we'll go to a couple big stories here. We'll start with da- Wrestling Observer Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan is apparently been cleared to return from whatever the mysterious injury it was that he was suffering from. He's going to return to storylines possibly as soon as next week. Uh, I'll, p- I'll punt it to you here, Justin. What do you do with Daniel Bryan? Well, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, he left, he, you know, he went out on being on top and, and as, as, a, as a title holder and losing. I mean, you know, you, logic would say maybe, you know, do you want to work him back into that? But at the same point, you know, they're, they're trying to get away from the formulaic, you know, I want to rematch this and that. So, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of hard to pinpoint just because I'm still I don't have a full grasp yet on, on who's on which rosters because they still continue to like let this shakeup con- extend a couple weeks. So I, I don't fully know who, who's on what side for him to work with. Um, I don't know, but I bet I hope it's the same character. I don't I don't think they need to. I don't I hope they don't. I hope that he can. I hope he picks up where he left off character wise because that was a great character. Yeah, I agree. I don't want to see him move into Raw. I don't I don't think that's a. I think that. Honestly, SmackDown needs a character like Daniel Bryan right now. It's starting to feel a little too polished over on SmackDown. Not that I'm anti-Roman Reigns uh, or, you know, the New Day, but, you know, Kofi probably should have shown a little bit more fire to start off SmackDown. And Roman just is the company guy. It's still very weird for me to see him in what is traditionally the land of the misfit toys uh, over on SmackDown. Um, But anyway, if Daniel Bryan's coming back, I'd love to see him over on SmackDown. Um, I, I was also a little confused this morning when I was thinking about the rosters. Cause I was thinking Sammy Zayn, Sammy Zayn is raw. He is a raw superstar now. Correct. Correct. And that's all the more reason. Again, as you said, Brian needs to be on SmackDown cause they're too yeah. similar, too similar. All right. Absolutely. And then the, my question is, do you put Daniel Bryan immediately back to the title picture? Do you make the match with Kevin Owens and Kofi Kingston a triple threat? Or do you wait for Kofi to beat Kevin Owens? I would think, and then have Daniel Bryan beat him and take the title back. 
I would wait. I don't think you need to make a triple threat. I mean, right now this whole thing focuses around Kevin Owens and 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 and, and Kofi. So I don't think you need to just add Daniel Bryan back in there. And and again, let's let's also keep in mind what you know. We don't know what WWE's mindset. We don't know what the decision makers' mindset are in terms of like, you know, Bryan. Think you know, luckily he's cleared, so this wasn't too much of a derailment. But again, I mean, I you know they might they might say, look, we get so much out of Daniel Bryan with his promos. Let's you know, there's no need to like throw him back in the ring and make him bump right away. Let's 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 get let's just reestablish his character. Let him do some promos. Let's 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 make sure he's truly as healthy and cleared. I mean, they might they might try to you know. I mean, every you know, there's an old saying that every wrestler has so many bumps in in their career. Once they run out of bumps, they're done. So I mean, maybe if if we're talking about budgeting, maybe they, they maybe they preserve a few Daniel Bryan bumps and just let him do some promos for a little bit until it's absolutely time to have him do the payoff and do a match. You know, my other thought here on the Daniel Bryan uh, return was, you know, getting back to, you know, what they were doing with Daniel and, you know, what they wanted to do with Daniel Bryan that we really never got the, the conclusion for, which became Kofi Mania with Daniel Bryan, Mustafa Ali, right? And here you have Daniel Bryan coming back. I, would, I wouldn't I would put him in the money in the bank picture. I haven't taken anybody out like that. I think he can, you know, reinsert himself back to the main event pretty easily. But the idea of Daniel Bryan uh, going for taking back the title and Ali walking around with that money in the bank briefcase poses... Uh, I think a pretty interesting scenario to me where you could you know, hypothetically get back to the booking that, that seemed to be working and people could relive what was Kofi mania all over again uh, through Mustafa Ali. Sure. I can get behind that. And and I think talking in real life behind the scenes, obviously we, we, we pretty much think we know that Brian was very much in favor of this. You know, he wanted to work with guys like Ali, you know, and, and, and work with younger guys and help, help elevate them. So I'm sure that he would jump right into that. Yeah. Yeah. Just something that came to me as I punted away. Uh, so we shall see. Daniel Bryan, maybe we'll see him on Raw. Maybe we'll see him on SmackDown. We'll, we'll talk to you on Monday or Tuesday, I guess. Uh, Wrestling Observer also reporting that John Moxley is set to return to the Indies in June and has set up several bookings that will be revealed soon. He should be making, obviously, thousands of dollars per booking as he'll be very highly in demand. And here's the thing, Justin, like, I've heard this, I've heard this report, too, right? And I, I know it's Dave saying it now, too. Uh, Dave is traditionally very reliable. But I'm still at a point where it's like I will believe this when I see it. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I still find it a little weird. Well, I mean, the thing is, if if, if if Dave's reporting it, then then it's obviously he's talked to some promoters who at least have at least gotten a verbal confirmation from John Mox so that they can, you know, book, you know, book him out. But yeah, I mean. Like I said, I, I'm a little surprised. I didn't you know, I told you yesterday, I didn't necessarily think that that it was automatic that he goes and does the indie circuit. I thought he maybe he does, maybe he does have something waiting right right away with an AEW or, or some other organization that he that he would exclusively be at. Sure. But um, you know, maybe it's a case of you know, again, maybe if maybe if he, maybe even if he's talked to AEW and they said, look, you know, we we we, we want to wait till the fall to use you when we have TV. Maybe it's like, all right, well, I'm gonna go get my money that I can get from all the other indies that I haven't got to run in the last six or seven years and. Go make that money, be in complete control of, of your matches and everything else, and then you know jump over to AEW whenever they're ready for you. So, I mean, it could be the best of both worlds in terms of financially for him. I will say the, the, the clearest evidence I've seen that this man is actually free and clear of WWE was actually uh, when he popped up at the Cauliflower Alley Club earlier this week and inducted uh, his trainer Cody Hawk into uh, the Cauliflower Alley Club. I think he got the Trainer of the Year Award or something like that. And uh, that man looked happy. I've never seen Dean. I've never seen Johnny Moxley. I should call him now. I've never seen him that refreshed and happy before. I don't know if you saw any photos coming out of that, but he looked in good spirits. 
I didn't, but I'll have to look him up. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, he definitely, you know, me, you know, I, I can, you know, from experience of, of booking talent and w- with the Indies and everything, I mean, he'll, he'll, you know, you know this, he'll, he'll, de- he'll definitely be able to command a good amount, and and then then toss in what he gets for meet and greets, and and yeah, I mean, expenses are covered usually, and uh, you know, he's gonna be working the main event, and you know, every, you know, he's gonna get to work the top talent on the independent scene, and you know, wherever he goes. So, um, John Moxley coming to a town near you. I don't know. I don't know. You say that, we'll see. I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, Fightful uh, uh, has uh, did an interview with Leo Rush, current WWE superstar Leo Rush, <laughs> and uh, I've never seen <laughs> Justin. I've never seen anything like this interview in my life uh, coming from a contract <laughs> WWE superstar. Yeah, yeah, Leo Rush just uh, never, never, you know, never, never mind the WWE protocol of doing media. Leo Rush is just kind of. I'm going to tell my side of the story. <laughs> you know, whatever. Maybe I'll start a trend. Reach out. to If you're listening, my DMs on Twitter are open. You are always welcome to reach out if you'd like to discuss uh, what is going on in your life in the world of professional wrestling. But uh, we'll, take this in, uh, we'll take this in two parts here. First, I'll read his quote about what his issues are uh, regarding some of the rumors that he has some backstage heat right now. So he says, my issue is the fact that I haven't been on meet and greets with Bobby haven't been getting paid for merchandise for us that has my catchphrases on them. I have been sent to live shows and TVs and forced to pay for my own rental for five days as well as hotel while not making enough money to do so. Walking around broke in the biggest sports entertainment industry that there is while having two kids and a wife to support. Brutal, Justin. Brutal. I feel for this. Yeah, man. I mean that's. I mean, and, well, and, I mean, I'll, I'll give him this. You know, I can understand that. For, if, if all that's true, I can understand that frustration in the sense. I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean, obviously, Bobby Lashley is, a, is an athletic freak, um, but but Leo Rush is, has been what has uh, saved. I don't even say saved. It has been what has as as at least it put some energy behind this Bobby Lashley run because obviously Bobby Lashley is a babyface since it came back. Nothing much doing. This heel Bobby Lashley with Leo Rush at his side has certainly been. The, the the best of Bobby Lashley in this and since he's returned a year ago. So I mean I can certainly understand Leo Rush, you know, wanting to be, you know, and, and Leo is coming up with catchphrase. I mean I, I can understand Leo Rush wanting to be more included, both from a, a a marketing standpoint and from a financial standpoint. Yeah, I mean I it's you know it's sad to hear this. I've seen a lot of other wrestlers chime in on social media. I've heard a lot of people say they've never heard of somebody working the main roster that would be broke like this. You know, uh, I think it was um, Alex DeBario, um, who used to be NXT commentator, was chatting, uh, chiming in on this last night and, uh, you know, was just saying, you know, if this guy can't – most the way most guys deal with this is they find a road crew, right, of guys that they can ride the cars with together, r- share rental fees with, maybe even sometimes split rooms with, depending on if that is something you're fine with. If this guy's just traveling on his own, maybe he's got it. Sounds like his wife, based on the interview, has been on the road with him too. Uh, at several events, it's expensive. You know, um, I don't know. There's two sides to everything. I, I'd love to hear the other side of this coin here, but it doesn't paint a good picture for WWE when you have a sitting contracted superstar walking around saying he's broke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I said. That's why I started my whole statement saying, you know, if what he's saying is true. But yeah, you're right. I. Mean, I 
there might be some other end of it that we don't, you know, yeah, there might be some other end of it we don't know about in terms of what they already agreed to with him. Uh, now, uh, on the issue of race and whether or not that has played into the role of his uh, not getting paid and pushed and all these type things, he says, it's not about race. It never has been, but public perception is important to me. And when we have fans that travel all over the globe and watch us get off of buses and into hotels, the look of a black kid carrying waters and bags for other wrestlers is just not a good look, especially when I'm trying to portray myself as a superstar as well. Um, I would guess he's carrying Bobby Lashley's bags and waters, right? Because they're like, <laughs> I don't know. Well, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, well, there was that thing. I mean, there was there was talk of like, you know, there's, you know, they that that that, tra- that tradition would hold that the you know the veterans ask some of the younger talents to, you know, especially like when they're on, especially when they're on like international tours to like help like you know, yeah, just help you know, just help. It's kind of like painter dues, help show and respect, and you know, carry he's carry some bags and he helps set up this occasion, you know, whatever. I mean. I don't know. I mean, that, that's it's it's a whole world of itself. I mean, I I can't really speak to like you know whether it's right or wrong. Um, I will say this. I mean, it, it's an unfortunate thing for Leo Rush is that like it, it, it seems like it's always something with him. Like remember, this is the guy who um, I forget who it was. It was it was a female. It was Emma. But there we was talked a, about this a bit yesterday. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know. I mean, this is you know. I mean, you know, and he. I mean, he's young. I mean, we have to remember he's he's really young compared to the rest of the roster. So I mean, you think about okay, when you were that age, and you know what what was you know what you know what what did you what did you know what you didn't know in life type of thing. I mean, so I don't know. It's unfortunately it seems like he's got he's very strong willed, which that, that's great. But you know, you also have to pick your battles. You also have to you know you know learn to you know, yeah pick your battles. I, I don't know. It's, it seems like it's always something with him though. But I'll say this: all that aside, I think he's a tremendous talent. So I hope ultimately that this doesn't end badly for him with WWE because I think he is a tremendous talent on the mic and he's really good in the ring. So I, I'd love to see it, that continue to be utilized in WWE to the fullest, but uh, he's got to get this stuff under control, whether it's him that needs to get under control or whether it's WWE or, you know, they need to meet in the middle. Yeah. And he did note in the interview too, that Bobby Lashley, uh, he, like, he said, I wasn't really a promo guy in the Indies, but being paired with Bobby, Bobby brought out that promo ability into, in him and made him a promo guy. So arguably like more valuable now that he can work in and cut promos as well as he does. Um, so, and, and I think that also in the interview piece here, he did chat about how there is like a WWE employee that doesn't like him and would like him to get fired, which sounded a little paranoid to me. Yeah. Again, don't know who he said. It was said it was somebody who didn't like him dating back to when he was an ROH. Um, so yeah, I don't know who it is. I mean, and the other thing that we're, 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 we're we kind of are laughing at at the start of this. I don't know if this is going to help anything with this situation. That would be the fact that he went and did this interview, um, you know, for fans listening to, to Nick and I, I mean, normally if a talent is with WWE, the rule is you have to get the approval from WWE's, uh, you know, communications people and, and, and they, they, facil- they facilitate and say, you know, and, and, and facilitate the call. This seems like Leo Rush. Uh, it seems like Sean from Fightful, you know, got a hold of him and good good for fightful and leo just decided to start talking on the record so yeah yikes what are you talking about wwe they don't approve interviews i don't know i don't even know what you're talking about so uh yeah very very interesting situation here with leo rush and uh you know we'll, we'll see what happens uh we uh we got an update here wrestling Inc. exclusive yesterday uh, about Rhino. Uh, it sounds like Rhino's contract is up in July. He's already started taking some uh, indie bookings, and he's actually been announced uh, by the promotion that you work with or uh, run. I don't know. I, I keep thinking you own the thing. I don't think you do. But the IWC, um, they he's going to be coming back to IWC this summer. Is that right? 
Uh, I don't know exactly when he's coming back, but we, he is coming back. We do know, and, we, and uh, IWC Wrestling did, did put out the tweet that he's coming back in 2019. So uh, huh. that's that's the most specific we know in terms of time. But uh, yeah, he's he's um, he, he's he's available to come come work uh, work with IWC Wrestling uh, later this year, and we're looking forward to having him. He's a he's, he's former title holder. He was actually a former Labar guy at one point yeah. uh, at IWC. So he's a great attraction. Um, so looking forward to having the ECW uh, original back. He's also a Ronaldo Piven guy at ICW, ICW in Milwaukee, not IWC. Very different. Very different. <laughs> anyway, he, Terry's a great guy. I love Rhino. Genuinely, one of the best talents I've ever had the, the ability to work with in a locker room. Smart guy. Very nice guy. Humble guy. He's going to be a, a great addition to whatever indie shows he books. But, man, you know, everybody's got value right now. And you talk about guys popping up on those one, two, three shows for this hypothetical AEW weekly show. Rhino's not a bad guy to have in your back pocket is just a surprise. I mean, he always brings clout and credibility wherever he goes. Yeah, for sure. And again, you know, we're happy to have him, you know, us being here in Pittsburgh, you know, uh, obviously across the state from Philly where ECW was famous, but, you know, ECW did run, you know, this, this side of the state into Pittsburgh. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's always cool when you have the ECW originals and legends come around because there's, there's the, the, the audience in, in these areas of Pennsylvania still have such nostalgia and memories of, of 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 the of those days of seeing them so last ecw world champion baby got a lot of clouds that's right very important that's right man. uh we'll talk about very important men and uh possibly uh you know jumping to aew we got a cm punk update here uh cm punk is gonna be calling the action for cage fury fighting championships on may 25th which is the same day as double or nothing so it does not look like cm punk will be at aew's double or nothing update where is this MMA event at it's mm, a good question. I didn't write that part down. Let me, write, let me check here. CM Punk. Well, because uh, I just ask because I mean, if it's within a close enough range, you're telling me that Tony Khan can't send a jet and have uh, Punk. Because let's let's face it, if, if I mean, they, this would be a situation where they'd probably sneak Punk in the, the, the back door last minute, anyways, just to avoid any leaks at all. I would he, think he's going to be in Coachella, California. That's that's. I mean, eh, California, Vegas, Coachella, maybe. But I mean, if he's going to be calling the show, I mean, that's going to go all night. You know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see it possible. And if I was going to do punk, I wouldn't do him a double or nothing anyway. You know, I would, I would wait to the TV. You know, that's when you're going to really want some big surprises and stuff. They've got a jack. They got well, and, and that's, and, and that's when you're, you know, any, anything big that happens at double or nothing. Yeah. Again, there's like this waiting game of when he can capitalize on it until their next show. Right. But yeah, once you have the TV and it's like, you, you need to carry momentum week to week to week, you know, that's, that's, uh, yeah. Man, I hope Moxley does show up at Double or Nothing just because I know I'm going to be in the building and I want to feel that pop. (laughs) I want to experience it. Um, Anyway, TMZ uh, reporting that Brock Lesnar submitted to a USADA drug test just a few weeks ago. Uh, There's been speculation now about how long he was considering retiring, considering the fact that it sounds like he took nine USADA requests during the past year. Now, the results of these tests are not going to be disclosed. So we'll start there. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it was just a big money offer thrown at Brock uh, by WWE or what. But this guy on a dime just sounds like he was done. He didn't want to fight no more. Maybe unless UFC wasn't willing to pay him what he wanted. I mean, I don't know. It could be a lot of things with Brock. I mean, it could be WWE made him an offer that, that he couldn't refuse that included, you know, hey, be exclusive to us. It could be UFC wasn't going to pay whatever he felt that he was worth and wanting to, you know, wanting to get paid to put his body on the line in MMA or uh, or, or something with a drug test, I mean, or or a combination of all three. You know, he could he could just be taking this this Saudi payoff one more time, and then you know bounce elsewhere that's not UFC. I mean, look, you know, 
the, the Tony Khans have a lot of, you know, the Khan family has a lot of money as well. You know, if this guy's going to be free, you know, following all the study, Saudi stuff and in the summer and all that, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, I still think baseball in our conversation yesterday, you got to think that, uh, you know, Fox is certainly, you know, they're looking at WWE's roster going, oh, Brock Lesnar. Can we have Brock Lesnar on our show? I mean, you know, and again, money talks. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to keep the door open on that one. I've I've changed my mind a bit in the last 24 hours about the future of uh, Brock Lesnar based off of, you know, sort of talks I have with people about stuff. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, and on that note about Brock, uh, with Matt Riddle getting the, the blood in the water that, uh, you know, Brock Lesnar could be back in the fold. Matt Riddle again, shooting for the stars. He wants Brock Lesnar, WrestleMania 36. That would be a fascinating fight to watch uh, play out, Matt Riddle and Brock Lesnar. Oh, for sure. And I mean, again, and I think if, you know, I, if Brock is still with WWE, I could certainly see him, again, as I said yesterday, I could certainly see them building towards like a mania match where he, it's like his send off where he puts, where he makes somebody, really makes somebody. You know, I, I think I said Lars Sullivan yesterday is one, one person that comes to mind. I mean, Matt Riddle would certainly, that would certainly be an endorsement that would, huge for Matt Riddle. Um, thing is that whoever it's going to be, obviously it's got to be something, it's going to be whatever Vince signs off on. You know, I don't know, you know, Matt Riddle's on NXT right now. I'm sure Vince has seen him because, you know, Triple H says that Vince does watch NXT, but I don't know if like, you know, if, if you're asking Vince, oh, okay, who do you want, who do you want Brock freaking Lesnar Triple to H endorse said, and put over? Do you... I thought Triple H said Vince doesn't watch NXT. Well, or, well, or maybe, well, at least Vince has been at, is at NXT events. So I'd, I'd like the, the takeovers at least. So okay. I, I mean, I, you have to have seen Matt Riddle. Sure. I'm not saying he doesn't know uh, who Matt Riddle is. I'm just saying, I don't think, yeah. I don't think Hunter's gone on the record as saying that Vince is watching like NXT week to week. I don't know that he is. Oh, no. I, yeah. I don't think he's watching week yeah. to week, but yeah. well, my, but to my point is, you know, if you're asking, if, if, if you're asking Vince, okay, who do you want Brock Lesnar to, to endorse and, and put over big at WrestleMania, uh, Lars Sullivan, your, your guy that you're pushing heavy right now on, on your main roster or this, this, this this guy, Matt Riddle, who's a former MMA guy in NXT, I got to think Vince is going to go with Lars Sullivan. Uh, Jeff Hardy revealed in a backstage WWE video that he's going to be out of action for six to nine months following an injury. Uh, so just a little injury update on that. We kind of talked quite a bit yesterday on the show. If you want to go check it out about what that could mean for Matt Hardy and uh, what new paths that opens up. Um, Raw was down in the viewership ratings. Uh, or was down in viewership, the viewership ratings. Raw's viewership was down on Monday night. Uh, and we now know that SmackDown's viewership on Tuesday night did not fare much better. This past week, SmackDown drew an average of 1.833 million viewers, down 11.5% from last week's uh, SmackDown audience. Uh, this was the lowest SmackDown audience for a non-holiday first-run episode in history. The only first-run episode that did worse was the New Year's Eve 2015 episode, which drew 1.65 million and was the final SmackDown on Sci-Fi. Um, viewership is down 25% from the episode from the same week last year, which averaged 2.436 million viewers. Brutal, Justin. What I mean, there's yeah, so many- <laughs> I, 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 I've said this before a few weeks ago. I hope that... Um... You know, I hope that, you know, I don't know. I, it's very, I hope it doesn't like shorten whatever, what, however long they have in mind for Kofi to be champion. I hope it doesn't short it that much more because, I mean, they, they might look, you know, they, they, they're always looking for explanations. They might say, oh, well, Kofi is champion. You know, people love the chase. People love Kofi chasing it, but now that he has it, you know, I mean, not not to say that the whole SmackDown revolves around Kofi and it's put, this should be put on Kofi's shoulders, but I mean, I could see their, their, you know, WWE, I could see that that being a, a conversation of, of, okay, well, you know, what, what do we, do we need to change something and, and, and them changing, you know, Kofi Kingston? I don't know. Well, a uh, couple things here. Uh, Kofi, 
I genuinely think, I genuinely believe this. If Kofi had come out fired up to start that show, pissed off at Kevin Owens instead of smiling, dancing, and throwing out pancakes, I think more people would have stuck around because I feel like there was like a huge disconnect between the way the show went off the air last week and the way the show started this week. And that stuff's jarring, mm-hmm. you know? It's sure. jarring. Sure. So, I mean, that's that's my first thought. My second thought, because I'm starting to think more about like 30, these are huge numbers we're missing, 25 Thirty percent down from twelve months ago. Um, what is casting all these people away? I do think that there was a, a chunk of people that left because of the Saudi Arabia stuff, and they just were getting older and threw up their hands and said, "I'm not going to support this, you know, whatever anymore." Um, you think so? I definitely think so. I mean, when you I, think it, you think it has that much of a significant effect? I hundred percent. What are the other big things over the past year that have uh, that have caused the ire of fans that could affect a giant exodus like this. I mean, we've seen bad booking in years past, right? And the fans stay largely plateau, right? Not huge exoduses. What are we talking about that's turning fans off the product? I think it's part that, definitely the Saudi stuff. And I also think that it's the, genu- the general tone of WWE right now. The fans are not blind or deaf to what they're hearing from the superstars backstage right now. And if the superstars aren't having fun, I think there's I think there's a bigger issue here with the wrestling fans trying to have fun and join the show, you know? Yeah, maybe. I I, I don't know. I, I everything you're saying makes sense. I, I guess I I guess I maybe it's just me. I guess I kind of categorize the 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 backlash of the Saudi stuff as like, okay, people are gonna you know we're we're in the age of social media where everybody has a voice and everybody thinks their voice is is the most important. Like I can I I guess I kind of picture the Saudi thing as like, all right, people are gonna like you know, bitch and complain about it and, and, and make their noise hurt. But at the end of the day, like, I felt like they still were going to watch. They still were going to tune. I don't know. I feel like, okay, ch- ch- you know, it's, it's, it's the same, the same as I would view, like the portion of like the most hardcore internet fans who will complain each week about WWE, but they still watch each week and they can tell you what happens. It's like, it's like they're going to complain about it, but they're still going to watch. I guess I kind of figured the Saudi thing was the same, but I don't know. But maybe, but these numbers, maybe you're right. Maybe it's, um, well, you got to the thing, it, Justin, you got to start picking out what are big things turning people off. I mean, 30% drop in 12 months. That's what Raw was. 25% here for SmackDown, which, by the way, is a marginally better product. It largely has been for the last 12 months. But look, man, this past year had Ronda Rousey on TV. Ronda effing Rousey, okay? The biggest star in the world was the main attraction. Becky Lynch uh, was breaking out. You know, there were things that were going on. The product was not, you know, dog, dog crap, in my opinion. There was fun stuff in there. I don't know that you can... Point all to just like, oh, bad booking. Oh, Ronda Rousey or, or Becky Lynch shouldn't apologize to the McMahons or whatever. I mean, that's fine, whatever. Wrestling fans, largely, they will stick around for that kind of stuff, right? The stuff that's turned them off here, man, I think it's more personal. I think it's the reputation of the company, and I think it's the the tone of the talent right now. That's, that's the stuff that's deeper than just the booking that's really turning people off right now. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the fact that SmackDown too is, is I mean, you know, because like, you know, we all can complain about Raw. It's three hours too long, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but SmackDown's that sweet spot. I think we all agree. Two hours, that's the right length for a wrestling show. Uh, so, but even even if it's, yeah, I mean, you're right, even if it's declining, then maybe there is a bigger bigger issue at play here. Yeah. So that's the thing is I'm just trying to, because I'm just trying to think outside the box here. Because I mean, and it's not really that far outside the box. It's more like a 10,000 foot view of what is going on inside the box. You know, there's a reason WWE dodges Saudi questions on their earnings call, right? There's a reason they don't even mention Saudi Arabian promo stuff now. They know it's toxic to their fan base. How much they think it costs them versus how much they're making from the bag of money they get 
that's a different question altogether. But I think there is an acceptance that you are losing fans by doing those shows, but making more money. Yeah. Well, uh, I, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, man, what a, what a wild time we're in right now. <laughs> yeah, man. So anyway, uh, we got two more things here on the note of WWE uh, and uh, their live events. They've announced an NXT takeover for June 1st, but they didn't give a location. That's weird. That is weird. <laughs> That's so, I've never seen that. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's, hopefully it's not in Saudi Arabia. Oh my God. We're going to give them a takeover the night before, two night experience. You know, Matt Rill is going to get big pyro and everything. Uh, no, just weird. <laughs> I know they had a, a show for San Jose, I think, or I think they're booked for San Jose that day. I think that's maybe where, or something like that, where they might be going. I was going to say, as soon as, as soon as you said they announced the takeover, didn't say where uh, San Jose and San Diego came to my mind. I felt somewhere through there. Yeah. Uh, so we'll wait and see on that. And lastly here, uh, Lucha Central uh, reporting that Jeff Cobb has officially been released from his Lucha Underground contract, or will be released from his Lucha Underground, con- Lucha Underground contract very soon, I should say. This is following a, la- a rash of other talents who've been uh, released from the Lucha Underground contracts. And it's a damn good thing he got released, uh, Justin, because he holds titles in New Japan and Ring of Honor right now. Yeah, Jeff's another one of those guys. What you were saying about Rhino, uh, I would say about Jeff Cobb. Um haven't spent as much time around him, uh, but uh, but Jeff Cobb, another nice guy, really talented. Obviously, you know, you, you got a lot of potential. I and I, I like him both as Jeff Cobb. I liked him uh, as the character he played uh, in Lucha Underground. Um, he's a talented guy. So, uh, it's, but the whole Lucha Underground situation is really really uh, unfortunate. But, uh, but yeah, good good for Jeff Cobb. <laughs> Uh, you can see my guest at this time every Saturday night as part of MLW on Fusion. She's the manager for L.A. Park, Loki, Hio de la Park, and Ricky Martinez. She will also be the executive producer for the May 4th episode of MLW. It is Selena de la Renta. Selena, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, now, let's start it off here. What does this mean that you're going to be the executive producer here for the May 4th episode? Well, it pretty much means that I get to run everything and everybody does whatever I want. So it's kind of like the showrunner. So I'm the puppet master, you you can call it. Yeah, That's what I'm doing. I'm calling all the shots. I'm picking the colors. I'm picking the music, everything, the catering, everything, all of it. <laughs> Are you going to be? Uh, are you going to be back in the editing bay, calling shots, all everything, top to bottom, just like that? Absolutely. Man. Nobody does anything that I haven't already approved of. That's incredible. So and how- I already had people sign disclaimers, so if anything were to happen, I'm not responsible. That's amazing. So how did you? How did this come about? How did you uh, seemingly usurp uh, Court Bauer here to get this executive producer role for May Fourth? Well, I'm afraid I can't tell you my tricks because then um, other promoters that are not as talented are not going to be able to. I mean, are going to be able to do what I just did. Okay. And that's a little secret. Okay, I got you. Well, just in general, I mean, Selena, you know, I was doing a little research here on you before we did the interview, and you're just 22 years old. I mean, how have you been able to get to where you're at on national television, the executive producer role? Uh, by just the age of 22, how have you managed to do that so quickly? To be honest, um, it, it all happened really fast and uh, really crazy. I just I started more like, uh, I, I would say, a, an island girl from Puerto Rico moving here to the United States just to 
see and figure it out. I originally intended to be a screenwriter, and I was I moved to Florida to do films, and I was going to college, and one of my assignments had to do with studying reality TV. Okay. And that's how I came across professional wrestling. That's even the first time I had heard of it. I had no idea what it was. So the minute I saw professional wrestling, I was like, man, I really feel like I belong. I, I, I fit in. And my mom was like, well, okay, whatever. Let's just go and find some school if that's what you really want to do. And then that's how I met MSL, who is the vice president of MLW. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was just meant to be. Now I see that. Yeah, I know that you've been a you were a wrestler here for a few years before you moved into this manager role here uh, with MLW. Um, how did you move from the pro wrestling role to the manager role? Are you interested in still pro wrestling for MLW? Uh, well, yes. Uh, my dream is to be a professional wrestler. It was never to be this amazing manager. I had an injury. I My leg snapped five different times and I had to get knee surgery. Oh. And originally I was trying to get into MLW for wrestling. Yeah. And they, they told me, well, we have an option. We can make you a manager for some time while you recover. And this was my plan B. So I started um, just embracing my acting, going to school for dramatic arts and studying and doing the best that I could to become this character that I that I play today. And, well, I guess that when you work hard, things come to place and everything just works out for you. Yeah, it does. Hard work does pay off here. You know, I, I will ask, so, you know, what's the differences for you uh, between pro wrestling and being a pro wrestling manager? Like, how different are those rules? Uh, well... To be honest, it's not that different because you need to, when you're a wrestler, you need to know what's happening at all times because if you're not aware, you can get hurt. Look at me. Yeah. So I'm talking from experience. Um, and in in a manager position, is exactly the same. You have to know what's happening at all times because if you're not at the right place at the right time, the camera can't, can't see your reactions. The, the, if you don't tell your story right, then there is no reason why why people would even invest in you because uh, it's actually harder to be a manager because you're just sitting, you're just there. You're not doing anything active. And, and when you're wrestling, you get to show off your, Oh, look at this flip that I can do, or look at this, I don't, I don't know, risky move that I'm going to do. And when you're a manager, you have to know how to talk and you need to know the time that you, that you get to show off too, because it's not really about you. It's about the wrestler right. that's in the ring. So it's kind of hard for, for me sometimes to, to be like, Hey, well, this is your, your spotlight. It's not mine. Cause I really want to be in the ring, yeah. but I still present it with class and I do my best. Cause now I, I, I love my job. I can't believe that <laughs> I could have been talking crap all along and, and on a mic and get paid. I didn't know that. So it's pretty great. It's intoxicating. I'm, I'm in love with my club now. <laughs> it's, now, I, lo I love the MLW locker room. There's so many great talents that MLW has right now. Are there any talents that you've gravitated towards uh, for mentorship, people that have helped you find your voice and your role as a manager uh, in MLW? Absolutely. Absolutely. Conan was actually one of them. Mm. He has helped me a lot. 
like um, the the way that he is as a manager, it helps me because all I have to do is antagonize him. So whatever I see him doing, I know if I do the opposite, then now we have a story. And <laughs> the chemistry with him has always been cool since yeah. day one because he's really defiant. And I'm also the same way. And I think that I have something smart to say, but he always has something smarter. And that pushes me to be better. So definitely he was one of the people that helped me a lot. L.A. Park has helped me a lot with psychology of like making sense of like, why would you do this? Are you just being mean because you're being mean or do you have a reason to be mean? Yeah. And like um, they, the, the opportunity that I get at MLW being surrounded by so many legends and people that have been around for so long, they know exactly what, what wrestling's about and they know exactly how to do it. They've been in, they've been in wrestling for 20 plus years and they are still on TV. So that's the people I want to get feedback from. And Loki is another person that has helped me a lot, especially with my physique. I just looked at the way that he was eating and his working out habits. And it's really easy to, like, you know, start doing what they're doing because everybody is looking to get better. And when you surround yourself with positive people, then you end up being the same. Yeah, uh, a lot of intense people you've surrounded. Low key Conan. I mean, these are these are intense guys. I've been around them, and I know that there's that that level there. You know, and I know with you, you're not just you know a manager outside the ring. You're legitimately like a business person. I would imagine that having voices around like Conan and like Court, you're continuing to evolve and grow yourself on the business side of the pro wrestling business. Would that be oh, accurate? For sure, in the business aspect. Court Bauer is definitely my go-to. He knows everything. So if I have any questions, I it's like a guardian angel. He is there for he is there 24/7. The best boss I've ever had, honestly. That's awesome. And next, like MS, MSL as well. Like there are two people that that have just taken the time to help me and lead me. And I'm just I'm just willing. And it, there's a lot that you can do if you just have your mind in the right place. Absolutely. You know, and I, uh, you know, with Court here, you know, I agree. Court's like the godfather of MLW, right? Great mind. What do you think that he and MSL and MLW really overall get and do better than other pro wrestling promotions right now to help set them, set them apart? Well, um, I think that a lot of wrestling companies are really focused on the wrong thing. Okay. It's like, um, uh, let's make money or let's make this person famous or this other person famous and, let, and they don't care and they bash other characters. And the cool part about uh, MLW is that everybody matters. And where, when everybody matters, everybody, when, when you feel loved, you want to try your best. And everybody in that roster is treated equally, no matter what. And Court and MSL always give the same opportunities to everyone. And the way that you move in the company, you get to the top, is by working hard, and that's awesome. So everybody in the locker room is working really hard because they know that they get the equal opportunity. Yeah, and I know that you work as a liaison. I think that's right. No, that's that's great. That's very well said. You know, I it, I I know that you work as a liaison for MLW to the Latin America uh, to Latin America. You know, why do you think that MLW in particular has been just so successful at penetrating that Latin American audience? Well, um, we, 
definitely a majority of our roster is Latino. So True, that helps. That would definitely, I would think that the audience would be more biased to watching a wrestling show with people from their own country and race. And even though that sounds like, you know, a little weird, I know that that's true. Like if I see a Puerto Rican princess movie, I'm going to go watch it. If, if, it's, if it's somebody that speaks Spanish and they're making it in America, I want to watch so when the, when there's like a bunch of Latinos, everybody from different countries, but they're all Spanish, it, it catches people's attention. And I feel that the Latin community is really happy that there finally is a wrestling show that allows Spanish people to um, um, showcase what they their abilities. Yeah, it's you know it's great. I've I've been to the last two shows that you guys have sold out here in Chicago at Cicero. I brought my girlfriend to the last one, and she said it was the best wrestling show she'd ever been to. She just absolutely loved it. There's something. There's a real energy there. You know, when you bring in you know all the luchadors and, and things like that. I mean, for you personally, being from Puerto Rico, I mean, does it give you just a real sense of pride to be a part of what MLW is doing right now? Absolutely. I I get to make history with MLW, so to me that is an amazing opportunity. But um, Puerto Rico has been represented by different different people in different, um, what's the word that I'm looking for, like film, movies, different categories, let's just say that. But in wrestling, there really hasn't been that scene, and not women. So being, being one of the first, it is definitely a huge honor. Yeah. And, and, and it's not just what you guys are doing with MLW, but it's also the fact that you're backstage, you're in this backstage role. There's really not a, a lot of women, period, in backstage roles that have much clout in pro wrestling. Um, you know, I, I can't even think of a, I can't think of a single pro wrestling promotion in the world that's actually run by a woman. Food for thought. Um, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah I'm the first one. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, you. You're the first. You're the trailblazer here. Um <laughs> You know, yes. Hello. <laughs> but like MLW really doesn't have like a women's division. I mean, do you think MLW should be doing a better job of crafting a women's division and, and playing to that audience? Well, I wouldn't say that it doesn't have. Well, it doesn't have a women's division because we don't like have a women's title. We don't, you know, we don't do the whole thing every week. But we we definitely have had some women in the roster. I I think that eventually. That's gonna be that's gonna be a thing, but I, I'm not really sure. And of course, I would love a women's division because that's what I want to do. Yeah, exactly. That's why I say it's a little uh, it's it's surprising to me to see you there and, and knowing what you've done in the past. You're a great manager, obviously, in that role. But you know, um, there's no, it'd be nice if there was a division I'll tell for you. you. If I ever come back to professional wrestling, I will not give my debut to anybody else other than MLW. So if I am going to wrestle, then I can assure you there's going to be a women's division. How do you feel in general about just kind of the women's revolution that's been going on in pro wrestling? What's your what's your take on it generally, how it's been the women have been pushed to the forefront as of late? I think it's awesome that finally women are not just being treated as like eye candy. I, I know that that's how it used to be back in when it started, but I'm, I think it's a, it's a huge, it's not just an honor because it, it's not just like, a, it's not a price that we're getting to do the women's revolution. We're finally being equals here. So 
I think it's it's time to celebrate. But now that I need it, I think it needs to stop being called the women's revolution. It should be more like the equality revolution. And now everybody gets treated equally type of deal. But I think it's great. I'm really happy that finally we get the opportunity to be called superstars and I get the opportunity to run a company. So it's not every day that people can say that. And I hope that my story inspires other women to, you know, try and pursue a career like mine because I think we need more people like me in the business. So humble. So humble. Um, You... uh... (laughs) <laughs> now, I know you've also done a little bit of, uh, you do an analysis for MLW uh, as well. Um, another person who's been brought into that broadcast capacity is Jim Cornette. Uh, have you had a chance to pick the brain of Jim Cornette? What is it like working with that guy? Well, I've, I've had the chance of talking to him a few times here and there. I haven't really had the opportunity to just, like spend a lot of time with him. Yeah. But definitely we've had really fun conversations he has he has an amazing brain like i'm coming up with different ideas um to do to do to do my promos in the set and he's like well how about that how about this i think this would be better and he's actually making sense so i am like oh well maybe my idea is not as good so it's always fun when you meet somebody that that has a little more Spice to add to your life. Yes, yes. That's that, definitely him. That's a good way to describe Jim Cornette. He is certainly a spice in everyone's life. Uh, two two things here to wrap up. Kind of fun questions here. Um, now I know you you are you're very high couture. You wear very nice clothes. You carry around very nice purses. There was an incident recently on the independent scene where a wrestler had like a bag of theirs destroyed by another wrestler who was trying to get heat. Do you think that your nice bags and things are off limits? Would you be very upset if somebody like destroyed your Gucci bag or whatever that was sitting ringside? I think there are worse things that people can do than destroy a four hundred, I don't know, thousand dollar bag. It's really not that big of a deal if you destroy a bag. Whoa. But if you come after my car, then that's a problem. Okay. I, I don't know I don't, <laughs> I don't know if you've watched MLW, but a couple of times I lost it and I like started like hitting the wall with my purse. Yeah, I really don't care if I'm mad at it. It is what it is. Money just comes and goes. Well, just write it off. Thousand dollar bill. What's it matter? No, no big deal. I love that. Just uh, cash. Uh, lastly, here as I was doing my research on you, and I have to ask you about this. I was looking at the other places you wrestled. A little bit of your history. I noticed that you have wrestled for Juggalo Championship Wrestling. Is that correct? Oh yes. Okay. I believe I, I believe you tagged with my good friend Rough Crossing as well. Who I, I'm a big fan of Rough, but that's neither here nor there. What was it like wrestling for the Juggalos? Do you have any crazy like Juggalo experiences or stories? Oh boy, that was a crazy story in general. Like that that entire weekend was savage. Okay. I I was like <laughs> a year in wrestling, maybe not even. I had like maybe fifty matches, and they they put me against Amanda Rodriguez. That went well. Then. Um, the ring announcer, I was with my mom. Uh, I don't know why I brought her there, but I thought that she might want to be on that show. I don't know. <laughs> so she was on the, on the balcony and the ring announcer's like, if you think Selena's hot, you should look at her mom. And my mom is shy. She has like stage fright and all these things. I'm like, no, no. And now the entire audience is like looking at my mom and they're chanting like, 
Selena's mom, Selena's mom. And I'm like, no, no, stop it. And so that was one. I got sprayed with Frago. There was um, women's breasts all over my locker room. Um, there was a lot. Yeah. It was a lot of blood. I saw people puking. It was extreme. I didn't really know ICP, and they were performing that night. And um, they, they, they brought strippers. <laughs> it's just really not comfortable with my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! Really. I am so glad. And I'm, and I'm like, my mom is like really religious too, so I bring her to this, and I'm like, mom, I am so sorry, I didn't know. She's like, this is where you work, okay? I'm like, oh my god, such a nice woman. Oh, <laughs> Selena, I'm so glad. I had to ask. You know, it's like if I see you got connections to the Juggalos, I gotta, I gotta know the story. Um, you're great. <laughs> You're great. The first time somebody even asked me of that. Well, you know, that's why you do your research, right? So you can find those fun little uh, gyms. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. That was fun. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Selena, thank you so much for the time. Again, uh, this Saturday night, it goes down May 4th. Selena is going to be the executive producer for MLW. Check her out every Saturday on Fusion. Uh, do you want to tell people where they can find you, follow you, all those other great things before we wrap it up here today? Yes, of course. You can find me, Selena de la Renta. Selena is spelled S-A-L-I-N-A. It's not common, but neither am I. De la Renta is D-E-L-A-R-E-N-T-A. Hey, this is Scott. How you doing? Yeah, this is Hugo. How you doing? I, I'm good. Thanks for taking time out. I really appreciate it. You got it. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, you know, being in the wrestling business for as long as you have... Um, you know, when this when this was has become in the works with Madison Square Garden, with uh, AAA going to be running Madison Square Garden, uh, you know, in the past, you've worked for WWE before, WWF. You've seen them work Madison Square Garden. What did it mean to you to kind of have AAA make this announcement? Wow. Well, uh, as I was born in Ecuador, and I'm, I'm Spanish, as a Latino, uh, I'm very proud. You know, running the garden, it's such a precious commodity, and... Uh, for a Latino company like AAA to do it in a place that almost recently recently was like sacred grounds for the McMahon families, no one was able to touch it. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but we we had the original date that we that we canceled in AAA before New Japan and uh, Ring of Honor had their show because uh, Dorian Roldan, who's the general manager, wanted to make sure that it was the right time, the right the right moment. And I believe September 15th is the right day. And being at the press conference, I felt chills because you could run shows everywhere in the world. And I have been part of WWE for many years and other companies and with AAA and my own shows. I run like big venues that have tradition, fame, and all that. But there's only one guard. And, and to be there, it's very special. And uh, you mentioned, uh, Dorian, uh, just the logistics of it. Just how far back do you feel like this was in the works for, as far as that you know? That I know at least seven years. Wow. We have spoken about that. But the fact is that they wanted to make sure that it was not just about uh, being the, the first uh, company besides Vince uh, running it. Uh, it. It was about the right moment, the right exposure, and with the, all the stuff they've been doing, uh, and especially right now, I mean, their TV production, they got the right crew doing it. 
Conan uh, came back and for, you know, almost a year now, he has worked hard with the right storylines uh, and bringing up some beautiful young talent and the mixture of some American uh, wrestlers and uh, the alliance now with uh, companies like uh, All Elite Wrestling, Impact Wrestling. I think it's, uh, that United front is good for all the companies and I think the people at the Garden will be treated to uh, a very, 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 very nice show. And, uh, you know, with you mentioned partnerships. Uh, I know over the years, AAA and, and Lucha Libre, Mexican promotions in general, have partnered up with the likes of the WWE or New Japan or WCW or ECW. But what does it mean to you to kind of see now AAA kind of expand and, and now into the United States in this way? I mean, they've run, they've ran their One World Collide event uh, in 94, but this is kind of like almost like a coming out party for them. If this is successful, you know, we could possibly be seeing a lot more from AAA in uh, America. Yes. We on the press conference, uh, uh, Dorian announced Los Angeles as our second tour date. That is, that is official. But you cannot go to Los Angeles before New York. And the fact that it's happening right now uh, has a lot of significance. They, they are very strong. Uh, as you know, WWE is back in South America. I started running shows on my own, opened up Chile and other markets, and then, then started going back. And now that we went to, with AAA, we went to Bogota, Colombia, Movie Star Arena, and we grew uh, over 8,000 people, and we had a live telecast that did fantastic. So now WWE is hitting those markets. So I believe that right now with the, the plans, the business plans that AAA has and the right partnership with, with people that have the, the, a big vision about United States first, but also other international markets. I think that New York, you know, just like the song that, if you could do it in New York, you could do it anywhere. And, and it still holds true. And the Garden will be that lighting force that will take AAA into uh, – they're, they're calling um, 2019 uh, La Conquista Total, which is total conquest. The year before was the conquest. Now it's total conquest. So I think it makes a lot of sense on the strategy and, and the talent. I mean, uh, I was doing two days of, uh, of a Comic-Con called Fanatic in Chile, so I couldn't be – in Mexico for these past two tapings. But the Sunday show, uh, three of the matches had what in the culture of lucha in Mexico is the approval of the fans. They threw petos to the ring. And you had three of those matches rewarded by the fans. So uh, at the land of lucha culture, uh, three matches in one night, you know, with the petos and money into the ring, it just means a lot with the product, the storylines. They're really pushing guys like Killer Cross. I mean, he has developed like a new Diablo character, and I believe the storylines are really, really good, and, and the people in, in the United States, especially uh, the metropolitan area, are going to love the lucha culture. And, uh, you know, you're putting, when you're putting together a card like this, uh, what do you think, as the card, you know, the stories are coming together right now, and, and you mentioned Killer Cross and his Diablo gimmick. Um, what do you think is going to be the big matches or the big performers that are going to get this opportunity to walk the garden for the first time? What are some of the big wow. matches that well, you can see? Yeah, well, having uh, Blue Demon and the other legend back to back, they're heading to Triple Mania uh, in one of those special uh, Luchadores Challenge matches of Mask against Hair. 
I believe that that's just setting the stage for huge matches coming up into the garden. And Dorian has not announced uh, guest stars. We already know that Tessa Blanchard will be going against uh, uh, Kaya, Valkyrie, the Wera Loca. And by the quality of their work, that is already, you know, one match that will be tremendous. But the young generation from the man that is the face of AAA, Psycho Clown, it is so strange and so weird, yet mm-hmm. it has happened. It has been successful. He has become the face of AAA. And with the, with the match of a clown, you will never expect for him to do what he did. He was the guy that unmasked the legendary Dr. Backner uh, in one of the Triple Manias. And the fans love him, and he goes from the aerial uh, matches into good psychology in the ring. And the fans, when he comes out, they, they love him, and I think that he will be involved in one of the task matches. And let's not forget that New York is like a melting pot. You have from the Mexicans to the Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, you name it, Colombians. But there is a huge interest by the American fans to be in an atmosphere where it's not just like Lucha Brothers are an attraction in American wrestling cards, but here it's the right place, the right atmosphere. It's a Lucha card coming to the garden. And I think from the uh, Lucha Brothers to the legends to a psycho clown, they're going to put a tremendous show and, and uh, don't count the ladies out. Taya and Tessa Blanchard could steal the show that night. Mm-hmm. For sure. And uh, I know other things, exciting things going on for you is uh, the formation of AEW. Um, talk about how that kind of partnership came together for you and you coming on board of this new company and kind of what do you expect from it? A lot of buzz for it early on. You know, they have their big show, Double or Nothing, coming up in Las Vegas. Um, and, you know, it, it seems like WWE is definitely taking notice of what they're doing. Yes, very proud. I, I, I know Cody since he was a young man. His father, American Dream Dusty Rose, was a great friend of mine. And there's always been respect. And to see uh, at his young age where he took a big chance of leaving a secure paycheck at WWE and just went international and now to be one of the top guys in all elite wrestling and to know that with Jericho, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, you have some guys with passion. Uh, the product is going to be much different. I think he just stated, Dusty Rhodes, that, uh, I mean, Cody Rhodes, that he will have in mind to have some of that attitude era with a special touch of all elite wrestling. And I love the fact that the owner loves wrestling. To me, that is the key because we have had uh, people that wanted to do wrestling and have millions of dollars, but it was just a business. Even though it is a business, by just checking out, what he had to say, and from what I have heard from uh, uh, Young Bucks and Cody Rose, uh, this guy every day uh, meets with them, and it's not about uh, the battle with WWE. It's about getting their product to a place where it's respected and it's a new alternative, and I'm just delighted. When Cody Rose offered me uh, to be with them, it was on a live interview in Rey de Reyes in Mexico. I had no idea. They we're going to do that. We haven't yet uh, uh, talked about what we are doing, you know, the complete business side of it. But it will be an honor to be uh, part of this team. I mean, we're talking about uh, uh, a company that has the right tools, the right talent, the right vision, 
And I think that wrestling is at the right time right now to do something different from WWE and to know that you have the resources. Because, you know, this guy has uh, the president of the company, Tony. He has the money to back it up. And also the fact that he owns an NFL team that also brings uh, some stability in the mind of the talent that they don't have to worry about, oh, let's see what happens with the Las Vegas show, Double or Nothing. You know, that they know that there's a plan and there's a lot of things that they haven't openly uh, conversed about it. But I believe that it's going to blow people's minds uh, the way they have it. I love when they did the conference and they involved the Lucha Brothers on the angle right at the, uh, right at the stage. And I think it's fresh, and and fans love it. We have we have fans all over the world that that are screaming for new storylines, for new talent. And I think all of the wrestling is part of that. And being that they are in alliance with AAA, it just brings uh, an opportunity to do stuff that is almost impossible. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you also had a, a really great run, a long term run with WWE, working with Carlos. Uh, Cabrera and I know you were guys were almost like the the Jim Ross and 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 King when you saw that you guys as a fixture on WWE television for a long time. Uh, do you still kind of maintain that relationship with the the WWE Spanish announcers, including Cabrera and Marcel Marcelo? Yeah, it's, yeah, especially with Carlos. That's that's my brother. I love the guy. This was not a wrestling uh, friendship. Uh, we don't get to see each other often because I do travel a lot, not just with AAA, but I'm also a pastor, an evangelist. So we have, uh, uh, we have orphanages, and we, our time, we, we, I mean, I'm, I'm on the road most of the time. But when we do see each other, because we talk all the time, when we see each other, we hug each other, we kiss each other. My, my wife and his wife says that it's like a, like a male romance. You know, not, <laughs> not, on, not, on the, not on the negative side, but on the side that, uh, you know, we love each other, we respect each other. Such a talented guy, Jim Ross. Jim Ross said once to me, he said, "If I would have his, if I would have his pipes, talking about the precious boys that Carlos has, Jim Ross said, if I would have his pipes, I would have been the king of the wrestling world." And that's coming from a legend like Jr. That's how much he respects uh, Carlos. He's a professional. Uh, he was an anchor in the news for Univision. He had his top radio on FM in New York. It was on the top ten shows. On the radio, uh, his voice in commercial world, he's done stuff from Sears to, to the voice in Spanish for the United Airlines and many, many, many car commercials. This guy is, is an awesome guy, and I just love him. Yeah, I love that, that you guys have, have do so much charity work together, and you kind of built this bond beyond just the wrestling announcement. That's amazing to hear. Yes, yes, and and I will not be. I would love before I retire to have the opportunity uh, to do one more uh, event with Carlos. Uh, it doesn't have to be uh, WWE or any official AAA or All Elite Wrestling, but anything uh, like I, like I said, I, I'm a pastor. I do things for Haiti, and we have orphanages. Something that could be a benefit, or we could have the opportunity of doing play by play to raise funds. I would love to do that. We don't know where this is going to take us. We don't know if there will be an opportunity to do something big in a wrestling company with Carlos. But regardless, I would love before I I retire to have one show with him uh, uh, doing the play-by-play, I doing the color. That would be a dream come true, and that would be my way of saying, you know, bye to the wrestling world. And last question, um, you know, 
the Spanish announce table has been so synonymous with WWE events um, over the years. You guys have had your share of uh, action at the ringside. Um, if you can go back, what are some of your kind of favorite moments or not so favorite moments of things that have happened that kind of really surprised you during your run? Yeah, there? one, yeah, crazy stuff that we were never aware was going to happen. It was in San Antonio. I don't know if there were like seventy thousand fans out of the Alamo Dome. I don't remember, but I know that Shawn Michaels came to the table. It was winter. It had just been snowing in San Antonio, and he took my cowboy boots. We were dressed like with a logo of WWF, but it was like jeans and the shirt and the boots. It was like a Motiva show. And Sean took one of my boots, and I remember who he was working with, hit him, and then threw the boots to the crowd. And I never got my boots back. So now <laughs> Vince wants to go, Vince wants to go to his plane because we had a press conference the next day, and it's snowing, and I'm in socks and one boot going to the owners of the company's uh, uh, private plane, and it was cold, and I never got my boot back, and Sean <laughs> thought it was Sean thought that it was fantastic. And, uh, and of course, one time, a china was thrown to the table, and uh, Carlos' middle finger uh, was turned completely back. We didn't know at the time if it was broken or not, and I said to Carlos, after we did the last match, he was in pain. I said, hey, George Diamond's field. He's an expert of that, football coach, you know, a better in the business. They know how to do this. And I heard he's the guy. So I said, George, Carlos Finger, I don't know if he's broken. Can you fix it? And he said to Carlos, yeah, come here. When I say three, I'm going to I'm gonna turn it, put it right back in the socket. Uh, and he said, one. And when he did one, he just turned it. And Carlos screamed and said, what the heck happened with a two and a three? And he said, if I tell you two and three, we'll be screaming just when I count to three. So one of those crazy things, Undertaker falling on top of us, one day rolling on a table, just punches, broken noses. I mean, that table was like a war zone most, most of the time. <laughs> and if at that time, if the on the pay-per-view, no matter how great the pay-per-view was, if, if they sensed that it was coming to a close and they were not getting the Spanish table involved, the fans would be screaming to get some action into the Spanish table. They loved that. And it was, I was at the time, I think we were like the Kennys of the South Park. That Spanish table was bad. <laughs> yep, a lot of memorable moments, no doubt. Thank you so much for sharing that, and thank you so much for the time today. Definitely, you know, with tickets going on sale, uh, Cinco de Mayo, perfect day for tickets to go on sale for that September I'm telling you, event. It's a, how many times can you say you celebrate the independence of Mexico at the Garden with the Lucha World at its fullest, and the tickets go on sale on Cinco de Mayo. I mean, that sounds like a Seinfeld episode. Everything just <laughs> going there. Yep. <laughs> so take care. And, Thank and you so God much. bless you. you Thank too. you very Bye-bye. much. Bye. Bye. Thank you very much, Justin, for joining me at the top of the show to uh, discuss, man, another packed day of pro wrestling news. Uh, thank you to Selena De La Renta. Of course, you can see her executive producing MLW's Fusion this Saturday night. Uh, I want to also thank Scott Fishman for sitting down with Hugo Savinovich. Uh, another uh, great interview there from Scott. And I want to thank you all uh, for tuning in. If you like the show, if you want to support us, go over to our Pro Wrestling Tees store, prowrestlingtees.com slash wrestlinginc. Get the Jack Journalist t-shirt, wear it around, look cool, let people know. This is the site that you go to for your pro wrestling news. And if you, if you really like the shirt, take a photo of you wearing the shirt. We'll tag us, and, and we'll retweet it over there on the Twitter sphere. Give your social media a little bit of love as well. Um, if you want to come, uh, if you want to see 
Uh, me in action, doing the Winkly, video form. Tomorrow, Ringside Wrestling app is the place to be. Me and Raj Geary back to talk the top five stories of the week uh, for a special Friday video Winkly. It airs at 2 p.m. Central on the Ringside Wrestling app. It's a free app to download. You're going to love it. It's a great place to talk to other pro wrestling fans. Uh, tomorrow's episode will also feature an interview that our own Andy Malnowski did from WrestleCon with one of my favorite pro wrestling fringe personalities of all time, Butterbean. Butterbean, Justin, is going to be on. Butterbean. Butter that man, he knocked the snot out of Bart Gunn. Um, but, uh, so you'll be on the show, uh, The Winkly Tomorrow, with me, Raj, and Andy. And, uh, you know, we did, uh, uh, we talked about Jeff Cobb being released from his Lucha Underground contract soon. We talked a lot about other wrestlers coming and going places. I will say tomorrow on the Ringside Wrestling app, the video version of The Winkly, Raj and I have a scoop about a big talent who's going to be making a splash and uh, it's signed a new contract with a promotion. And we're going to break that tomorrow on the show. I'm very excited about that. So check it out. Um, and uh, Justin, I'll throw it to you. What do you want to plug, promote here, put over before we wrap up the show today? Hit the old follow button at Justin Labar. Uh, and as always, if you listen to the Winkley, please uh, hit myself and Nick up and tell us uh, what you like about it. We, uh, where, where are you when we're entertaining you? Or, or are you procrastinating at work, procrastinating at school, mm-hmm. uh, doing doing yard work? Always love to hear uh, how, how people are consuming the Winkley. Yeah, and that's a good, you know, if you want to tell us where and how you enjoy the Winkley, go over to our iTunes page. You can leave us a five-star rating. And in the comment section, be like, I like to listen to the Winkley when I'm eating a big bowl of pasta with novelty size meatballs from Olive Garden. Whatever. I don't care. Have you seen that? Olive Garden, the big portions menu they got now? Yeah. <laughs> they, treat you, they treat you like family. <laughs> oh, I love Olive Garden. All right. Anyway, uh, thank you all so much. Me and Virgil love that Olive Garden. Mmm. Mmm. Bread's the breadsticks. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. I'll talk to you tomorrow on the Friday Winkly. I'm at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. <laughs>